2: All things Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Chelsea!
3: Chelsea!
2: Chelsea! Yeah! Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Chelsea!
0: Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, as always. Uh, you know, back, our usual Sunday, taking it all in. Unfortunately, though, um, Dan, Nick, guys, FA Cup against Norwich yesterday, not, I don't know, I'm putting together the script, I'm like, how are we going to fill an hour? I uh, I didn't see a whole lot Dan to get excited about.
1: It was nice to see that Ambien has tried to work out some new marketing strategies in 2018, oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, no. definitely a great, great way to kind of offer medication in a, a visual format now.
2: I was thinking to myself yesterday, you know, because it's rare that Chelsea get the 11.30 a.m. match in, in central time zone, so I was thinking that this would have been the perfect match for like that 6 o'clock time window. Where you just wake up and you can kind of sleep through it and not really have to to fully wake up. That would have been nice, but alas,
0: here we are. Indeed, so obviously we had to add some flavor to this episode, so we went to the archives and brought back one of the the original guests ever in this podcast unfortunately it's been too long um but here it is at last dan levine uh one of our heroes on twitter we appreciate all the good work you do putting in the miles even going to carabag welcome back
3: great to be here guys it's been too long you know nations have risen and fallen in the time i've been (laughs) More fallen than risen, to be fair. Exactly. Yeah.
2: which one? Ours or yours?
3: Both. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> well, either way, um, we're going to dig into more. Dan, i um, pumped to have him back with uh, all of his kind of firsthand knowledge and experience. Uh, but real quick, Dan, we do have continuing the iTunes review train. Even more people.
1: Yeah, t- 10 total stars this past week. Two five-star reviews. RD, uh, R. Dale Hale, or Hall, who enjoyed the match recently with the Chelsea Chicago supporters group who called out the wonderful interview with the gentlemanly Lee Parker who was fantastic in the Arsenal match and then uh, Richard from the UK who gave us a little five star even though our accents might have put him off initially so thank you for uh, for putting up with that part first but as always leave a little five star review on iTunes and we'll we'll hit you up there and give you a little shout out at the beginning of the pod
0: you know and another one we we've got some some questions, I guess, Dan Levy, and that we want to throw off to you right away. Uh, one from at 7 on Twitter and Cut Borlang also on Twitter saying, did this game actually take place? Was it a dream? And how long are the highlights going to be? And I'm pretty sure you were there. So can you verify that
3: this wasn't a simulation? I can confirm I was there. I confirm if that was a dream, then then, then you've been eating far too much cheese before bedtime. Um, <laughs> It was it was interesting. It, the one thing I'll say, and anyone who was there will know this, Norwich is a great city for a Saturday out, day out, and, and, and I think a lot of people had a great time there. But what a shocking game of football.
2: Correct. Yeah, it was terrible.
3: Well, I'm really
0: looking forward to our match review that's coming up here in just a second. But uh, <laughs> real quick, Nick, uh, we have some pretty exciting news for uh, our awesome listeners that have always been supportive, not only of us, but World Soccer Shop
2: as well. Correct. So... We've worked with World Soccer Shop, and and you know, much like other podcasts that you may listen to, have this. We finally have a promo code, Dan. It is excellent. It's new. I'm going to let you read it out and and, and tell the folks how they can save ten percent.
1: Well, just like there's only one team in London with a European Cup, uh, there's only one code, London Pod, uh, because there's really no other teams in London worth mentioning. That is valid January 5th, 2018 through the 31st of March, 2018, which is a 10% off store-wide code. So you can use that to pick up any of your Chelsea gear, boots, and stuff that you need heading into the new year at com. Super Boom.
0: excited to be able to bring this to you guys. Uh, make sure you go use it. And as always, Nick, we love it when they tweet out the pictures after they get it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Tag us, tag World Soccer Shop, show some love. Um, you know, it kind of helps, helps every little bit, you know, just to prove that uh, – that our fans are engaged and you know we love to see what you buy so uh, a lot of assist pillowquake jerseys I'm sure are coming in looking forward to that but let's go ahead and roll into the match review
0: right off the bat at Gary Hayes another friend of the pod journalist for Bleacher <laughs> Report saying good luck recapping that and uh and I'm told according to our own Twitter account Dan Levine that you were bringing the Carabao to the podcast today
3: there is not enough Carabao in the world, I'm afraid, to keep <laughs> us awake. And, and, and you know, you know my, my tolerance for Carabao is fairly small, but uh, you, know, you could probably drink a tanker full of that and you'd still doze off.
1: <laughs> I, fi- I figured we would just get it in, in IV form and try to strap it yeah. in and see what happened. Please don't. Well
0: no. You know we'll we'll go ahead and we're gonna do our we're gonna put our best foot forward. Usually these uh the ones that there's not much else to go, we we kind of free lib a little bit more than usual and it takes an interesting turn. So buckle in all of our listeners. Uh but anyways, as we've said it is North City uh FA Cup match over at Carroll Road is this past Saturday, January sixth, you know. Blue Zero Canary Zero no score predictions. I actually think we had about negative three predictions correct because it was it was that bad. And I guess from I wings on Instagram says trying to look for positives at this point. At least we didn't lose and no injuries. I mean that's scraping the bottom of the barrel, Nick, isn't it at this point?
2: Yeah, like I you know I was trying to like put the put this match into any sort of perspective for myself because like. I, you know, we do, we, we podcast every week, and, and more often than not, we're talking about a win, right? And and so we kind of get accustomed to talking about, you know, good performances or, like, wow, you know, even though we drew today, Hazard was brilliant. Uh, there was just none of that. <laughs> like, it was, it was incredible. I was trying to, like, bring out some, like, sort of positive uh, nugget. Jeff Porzello told us, told us on uh, a couple weeks ago that, you know, we were one of the more positive You know chelsea accounts that that he follows and man i don't know if we're gonna be able to deliver today dan like it's gonna be pretty it's gonna be pretty bad you gotta
1: remember which dan you're calling out too because we're in a a double dose of dan this episode
2: uh the double dan i totally (laughs) forgot about that i'll i'll say i'll say dan levine if i'm talking to uh to our our good friend dan levine how about that
3: sounds like a deal that's fair
2: Deal. deal
0: well our dan how about the lineup let's go ahead and start with that and then we can get into breaking it all down
1: Sure, we had Willie C. uh, taking place for Courtois, who got the full day off, didn't even have to make the trip. Rudiger, Luis, returning from exile, from injury, whatever dimension he was locked in upon, and finally released. Gary Cahill as well. Zappacosta, Drinkwater, Bakiyoko, Kennedy, William, Mishi, Minister Mishi making an appearance there for Murata, and Pedro. So we also saw uh, our friend Murata on the bench with Musanda, our friend Clark Salter. We saw Eduardo Ampadu and Sterling round out uh, Dujon, not Dijon Sterling, and uh, it was uh, a little Hudson O'Doy as well to round everything out. So it definitely had a lot of youth on the bench. Not a lot of senior team partnership in the bench. Only one senior player right there. Uh, I don't really count Eduardo because he's kind of been just a, a wonderful training ground dummy essentially. Yeah, more for, of a coach, right? Yeah. So it was a a youthful lineup. I think, you know, Nick. I, I was pretty hopeful that we would get to see some good substitutions and get to see some some youth run out. But it didn't seem to actually pan out that way.
2: It did not. Um, you know, uh, it's, <laughs> the understated. Look, it, it did not. Yeah. No. I, I, so you you look at the lineup and then you know you realize that Norwich are in, I believe, thirteenth place in the championship, and you're like, you know look Batshuayi hasn't played great recently but you know this could be an opportunity Pedro and William have kind of been alternating who you know who's going to be in slightly better form all year you know Bakayoko and Drinkwater should have the midfield no problem no problem at all and then you know we're getting some exposure back for David Luiz and a big tall you know strong guy like Rudiger and you know Caballero, uh, Caballero has been you know very trustworthy this year like this should be a walk in the park, Brandon. This should not even be a problem.
0: Well, I actually want to pitch over to Dan Levine to talk about the lineup, but I was more interested in the bench. I think, to me, the bench showed Conte's um, mentality saying, this should be very straightforward. I will be able to get young people in. I don't need a lot of senior people on the bench. And it just didn't turn out to be the case that day, Dan Levine. So, I guess, what did you think when you saw it and kind of how it all played out?
3: Yeah, it's it's an interesting view on it. Um, uh, I think um, there was a bit of a statement actually in the bench. Um, You've got to remember, of course, we are now into a transfer window. Conte has been saying for a while that he wants extra men in his squad. Um, And and I I wonder, and he's been sending these messages for a while in that bench, whether he was saying, look, this is my thin squad. Um, at the same time, this was the FA Cup third round against a lower league team. And this is a, lone, you know, a very, very rare chance for Conte to experiment a little bit and to mix things up and to give opportunities to players who don't get a chance. Yes, it should have been a walk in the park. I agree entirely. Um, but, you know, it's, this, this isn't a straightforward as saying... Um, this was uh, a throwaway type thing, you know. Th- th- this was a- an opportunity opportunity to, wait, to to rest players, and uh, and it should have been a win, but of course it wasn't.
0: You know, let's go ahead and just dig right into kind of the talking points because there were no goals, so that made my job a lot easier today uh, making this script. Uh, but the first one I said was were nine changes too many from Antonio Conte, and did Conte really have any choice? to not rotate like he did. Um, because to me, this lineup should be capable of winning a Premier League match, let alone FA Cup third
2: round against Norwich. Uh, yes, you are correct. <laughs> um, look, I, I think he had to rotate. You know, the when we think back to the Arsenal match you know, that we just recapped on, on Wednesday, that was a pretty manic affair. And I, you know, I want to hear Dan Levine's thoughts on this um, more than, more than my own, but at the end of the day, like we had, you know, a team that pretty much had to give everything against Arsenal to to get the draw um, that should have been a win. So, you know, I, I don't think that there was any any way with the, you know, kind of eight matches and 28 days coming up that he he couldn't take this opportunity. I mean, what do you think, Dan Levine? Of
3: course. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the players certainly would have been pretty knackered coming off that game at Arsenal. It was it was full on from start to finish. Um, the difficulty, of course, is that, that Conte's objective in this game at Norwich is to win at any cost. It doesn't matter if it's ugly, it doesn't matter if it's only 1 0 or 2 1 or something like that. He has to win. By getting a draw, it's almost the worst possible result because that fixture congestion has now got a whole lot worse. There's another game in there, um, so it is a bit of a disaster, really. Um, but you know, Chelsea is still in the cup, and you know they'll they'll take that over Arsenal's position, having just gone out to, to Nottingham Forest. Well, we had a question
0: from Mark on Facebook saying that since Hazard was unavailable, at least having Susk and Alonso should have been available on the bench. Um, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. But do you guys think that a couple of first team players with Morata should have been available to bring on just in case? And same kind of same thing from Aldemaro. Um, So, Dan, coming to you, is they're saying when the 13th club in the championship table keeps us scoreless, is it time for a change since we can't change players, which actually we can right now, as we mentioned transfer window, uh, can we change formation or player movement on the pitch? So, again, you know, hindsight 2020, should we with the 13th team in the league needed senior players on the bench? And how do we freshen things up if we can only muster a nil nil draw against the championship side right now?
1: Wow. It's, it's quite the condemnation of what transpired over 90 minutes of, you know, a, a fruitless match for, for Chelsea, a great result uh, for Norwich, and ultimately, you know, puts us in, I think as David Levy mentioned, a pretty terrible Fitcher situation, which we were trying to avoid. I mean, what, what would you do? Would you move into a back four, which means that you would then have, in that moment, uh, you know, like Kennedy coming back into the fourth, you know, in position. You could have brought, um, you know, JCS out, and he could have potentially been an option to go into a back four, which would have given you one more attacker up top if you wanted to go into like a four-two-four. Four. So, I mean, there were options available. You could have also then brought on like, um, you know, Hudson Adoy. I, I think there were opportunities to be a little bit more aggressive earlier on. I, I actually was kind of shocked that. We had watched into the 60th minute, into the 70th minute, and then it's really at the, the 75th minute, you're, you're essentially saying that you're going to take the last 15-plus you know, stoppage time to try to make a difference with Morata, who ultimately has, has struggled you know, struggled severely in the Arsenal match and you would imagine would want to score and to, to put himself back in a good mental state of mind with knowing that he can actually score with his feet and not just with his head. But I would have hoped to have seen some of the youthful exuberance. And you know, you saw, I think, you know, even in a, just a few moments, that Sterling and Musando were, were clicking for, for a couple seconds there, um, Mr. Levine. And I thought that that would have been a, a different way to go from a, a standpoint, but doesn't always align with the way that Conte tends to go with his lineups, where he does tend to favor uh, experience and, and tenure versus uh, sometimes a youthful exuberance.
3: Yeah, I mean he does, um, but but as I said earlier, I think that, that there's a couple of things going on here. He, he's he's using the opportunity of playing against lower league to rest people. And if you look at Alonso, Alonso has played almost every minute of football this season. He's he he must be absolutely you know wiped out. And you know this is the game. If you're going to give him minutes off, this is the game you give him off. Um, although I take what Mark Worrell says about you know needing him in there, you've got to give him some rest time at some point the other thing is this what I was saying earlier about him managing upwards we're in the middle of a transfer window and he's clearly sending a message to someone that he needs greater depth so there's a mixture here of pragmatism and also a little bit of playing a game I think uh, and it's backfired a little bit a little bit unfortunately
2: yeah I would say quickly you know the as I was analyzing this lineup I, I looked back to last year and um, I believe we were up at Wolves, right, Dan And I think that was like the, the similar fixture last year was, well, was either Peterborough at home or is Wolves away, but Chelsea did not play well uh in either the third or fourth round at Wolves and it barely scraped by with a Pedro header for, for a winner. I mean, I, I just don't know if maybe they're taking lower league opposition lightly in, in what is kind of the biggest match of their season, perhaps.
3: Maybe there's a bit of that. Um, I mean, this is this is <laughs> we like to talk. It's, it's, it's the old um, cliche, isn't it? It's the glamour of the FA Cup that, that you do get teams from the lower leagues who are able to play against these um, highly paid celebrities from from the Premier League, and they up their game. But at the same time, you know, in a, in a, a squad game, Premier League teams should be able to cope with them. Um, but Chelsea, at the moment, like to cut their their cloth fairly thinly. And that's where we are. You know, that that, that is the reality of the situation. Um, it's, it is awkward that there's a replay, but, but we are still for the time being in the FA Cup.
0: I think that it's hard to assume that these guys just take it lightly. Like, there's nine changes. Like, people like, kennedy um musanda who got in a little bit later uh, but even zappa Costa has said inconsistent time drink water bakioko especially mishi even rudiger hasn't been in all in all the time like these guys are are fighting remember this is their job this is their living yes they love it but at the same time like you can't just go out there and expect to to just have it have norwich roll over or anything like that like i feel that These guys are going out there trying to, you know, be successful and win this match, not taking it lightly, but it just didn't click like for whatever reason. And I can understand if Antonio Conte is putting out this team right to the board and saying, all right, here's the deal. This is what our second string team looks like. They can't beat a championship team. You tell me what the problem is because we played the same formation. We've got veterans in there with Pedro and William. Um, You've got people like David Luiz, who I know he just came back, but Gary Cahill's in there. Like I'm not seeing too many holes in this team of experience that shouldn't at any other day been able to go out and beat a Premier League team, let alone a championship. So maybe we are just wearing the blue-tinted glasses a little too much and assuming putting too much trust in these guys because – I don't know what Conte is going to do for the next for the for the replay specifically if he's going to go out with the strongest lineup and or you know try to continue on to this competition or say look this is our second string competition like the league cup you guys either sink or swim and it's on you so
2: I don't know Well and I, I would I would quickly say too like I agree with that I think it might be about priority um Dan Dormer you know when you when you look at knowing that Barcelona looms large in a month and that in between that we have city and united and another uh, frivolous match as well and then you have the league cup against arsenal which is just going to be awful to deal with in the middle of all this and then you have the fa cup replays it could very well be that there's an internal decision made at the club obviously you want to win everything right but knowing that you don't have barcelona or city's squad to to go and do so that Look, maybe Brandon's right. Maybe this is a you know sink or swim moment for some of these guys. Maybe you give Musanda the reins in the FA Cup and say, hey, go go make something happen for yourself.
1: And it all ends up depending upon what happens with the, the transfers and seeing if there's any other players that come in or leave because ultimately that will make a, a big decision too. And you know, we'll have to decide, you know, is Musonda going to get enough minutes? Between not just in January, but in February through the remainder of the season to, to justify being here or going someplace where he can really truly grow and progress. And I think that's another piece to kind of think about too, is that, you know, we, we look at this squad now and even though, you know, Antonio Conte is saying that, you know, that unless people are coming in, like there are not people going to be leaving, but then also we'll speak to how he doesn't control the, the transfer activity. So I think there's some variability here about, you know, who might be available or not might be, you know, may not be available to be that fix or be that solution as we kind of get into a very again heavy convec- you know fixture congestion at the end of January here. Well, we'll have to see kind of
0: what happens. I know uh, we had a tweet from our friends over at Carefree Blues Pod uh, asking about David Louise specifically. Um, so just real quick, they say, did the 2018 David Luiz swap places with 2013 David Luiz or was he just really, 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 really rusty? I mean, I think that you can give him some sort of benefit of the doubt, Dan Levine, since he's been out for a really long time.
3: Yeah, I, I think you've got to do that, and particularly for a defender, it takes a while to get back into your mojo. You need to. You know, it's a, it's not like something that runs on instinct, like a winger position or a forward position does. You need to be drilled down into the way that the system works, and so mistakes are inevitable if you're just coming back. But he was very very rusty, and I thought on a yellow card when he shoved over. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Murphy from Norwich, yeah. uh, right in front of the referee, and he could easily have got a second yellow card. At that stage, I might have liked to see uh, Jake Clark to come on instead of him. Um, Conte didn't really use his full subs. He'd you know, bring on Dujon Sterling in the 89th minute. He could have spent a sub there. And, uh, you know, it was just a bit of a shame um, that, that it didn't happen because he, he, he wasn't really um, up to the, the rigors of the game, I don't think.
2: Was it surprising, Dan Levine, that he played considering all of the kind of uh, comments around his future and, you know, a possible transfer in January?
3: Well, Conte said he was going to play. You know, he, he was made very, very clear. I, there may be a certain amount of um, shop window in this. Um, bear in mind that he's effectively said that, that Luis can go this January. Um, Luis, though, he's also said for, for several weeks has been injured. Whether or not we believe that, I don't know. Um, so why would anyone buy a player that's been injured all these weeks? So, you know, there's there's a bit of business dealing there, I think. And, you know, maybe an invitation for a bid.
0: I mean, Chelsea buys injured players. Isn't that normal?
3: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Good point.
0: All right. Well, l- let us know what you guys think about David Luiz, especially. Um, there's a lot of rumors, even, you know, in com- some of the tabloids that are harder to always trust, but essentially that Chelsea even open to a loan move at this point for David Luiz, if that's what he wants. So uh, we'll kind of have to keep an eye on that and see how it goes, which is just crazy because 12 months ago we were saying future captain, heart of this team. And, and I don't know, it's, it's changed very quickly uh, for him. So, Uh, The next one I want to bring up is uh, along lines of the tweet we got from at DRC263305 saying, how about those minutes for Mishi? And unfortunately, I feel terrible saying this, but I think it might actually be best for if Mishi leaves even if it's on loan he just he needs something I think that this isn't a good setting for him Dan Dormer. I don't think it's a good situation between him and Conte and his lack of playing and when he gets in I feel like he's not trusted and is a Ford. Uh, pro- actually for most players that's a really big thing and so I just think that for both parties like Mishi just needs to go to a different environment freshen up and go somewhere even if it's down a step you know Potentially, uh, to to get his swagger back,
1: he he certainly has lost some of it, and it, it's quite unfortunate given how much of a fan favorite he is for uh, the the West Brom goal last season, for a couple substitute appearances where he's you know put in some some wonderful moments, but a good preseason, and then for, yeah, but preseason, and then also his his social presence is I think usually the overriding reason why people love him to almost a fault but at this point partially due to some service to yesterday I I think was you made it more frustrating for him than not but you would would hope that someone who's going to be potentially leading the line or even as a backup striker for a Premier League side uh, especially one that's in the top four that's in the Champions League should be able to uh, terrorize Uh, a a championship side a little bit more regularly and I think that was where you were hoping to see something spark and the spark really never lasted uh too too long before it fizzled out there Nick
2: yeah look one he had no service yesterday and I think even you know even the hardest critic Amishi could say that there was just not a whole lot going on up front for Chelsea you know I expected Pedro and William to run the show yesterday they didn't Uh, You know, William had like a 20 minute spell uh, that I can remember where he was pretty decent and was, you know, dribbling past people. But otherwise, he had a pretty average day. Pedro was even worse, Uh, you know. So for a guy like him who who feeds off of those, you know, kind of poacher opportunities, there was none of that for him. Uh, Second point would be and I I was with the uh, the KC Blues yesterday. Uh, I made the point that if there was ever a time to try him and Maratta in a front two yesterday and maybe switch up the formation, uh, bring on you know another midfielder, take Pedro out or someone out, um, that it would have been yesterday because I do feel like that's where he is going to thrive eventually wherever he goes is going to be in a kind of a front two situation where he can play off of the other striker. Um, not saying that would have changed anything yesterday, but it certainly would have been one of those few opportunities where we have both of them in trying to make a goal happen. So, you know, whether that, you know, whether or not the scenario Dan Levine is that he goes on loan or or just goes, period, you know, I think the guy needs
3: something else. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, and in fact, I'd probably go further than you. I, I'd say he has to go. Um, and, and I say that not out of any malice towards Mitchie, but because I want to see him succeed. Um, I think he ideally has to go on loan because I'd like to see – Mitchie be a good Chelsea player in the future, and he clearly needs to get regular football. The other things he lacks at the moment, and these are things that will rile Conte, are attention to detail, uh, sort of concentration and focus. And I think that's something that he has in common with David Luiz, and maybe explains why both both of them are really uh, not trusted and back by. And yes, yeah. well, Bakayoko is, is, though, getting the game minutes. But the pair of those two are not trusted by Conte, I think, for that reason, because they're not seen as serious, hardworking and training sort of figures. They're both guys who have obvious natural flair, but it doesn't fit in with the very, very drilled version of Chelsea that Conte has brought in. Um, Conte won't be at Chelsea forever. He may not even be here next season. And that's why I think you know Chelsea need to think about sending Bashaui on loan, and uh, maybe parking him for the longer term.
0: I think another thing is if uh, you know Chelsea don't want to play a two striker system, then that that's something they have to assess as well. Because if that's the only way that Mishi can be successful, uh, that's going to be a, a big uphill uh, battle for him. But what we'll well, and,
2: how- and I'm I'm not saying you change the whole system for Mishi, right? Because that would be stupid. But I, I I just personally think after seeing him and Diego last year uh, that it that it's the best way for him to contribute. Sure, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like that means even
0: fewer chances because Chelsea aren't going to do that. Because um, when we two do play the two striker system, it's really Hazard plus a striker. Um, so I, I agree with right there. It's just like even more reason why um, you know he needs a different environment. So um, all right, well. Uh, I got nothing else for this match because nothing else happened. So how about we go ahead and touch on Ross Barkley signing, eh? Uh, We haven't done uh, any recap really since it's happened. So first off for each of you, starting with Nick, uh, do you like this signing and where do you think he'll slot in when he's fit?
2: So uh, I looked back in our archive a little bit um, into a a tweet that I put out um, or, or that Dan put out, either one of us, uh, whether or not we would like to, you know, and this was back in August when we were looking to potentially sign uh, senior Barkley. Uh, and it basically went, you know, if, if Barkley signed, would you be excited about that? 51% said yes. Something like 12% said, meh, uh, you know, 16% said no. And then the rest said, uh, uh, Nate Shaloba didn't die for this. So <laughs> um and and to and to be fair I'm still on 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 team uh Shaloba on that uh, on that poll so look I I, I think it's an, you know it's a weird one you know I don't really know where he fits in uh considering that you know Drinkwater's barely played uh you know so I, you know it, it's a little confusing I don't know, you know, considering the two formations that we primarily alternate between, you know, where he's kind of best position is. I don't know if he's going to be healthy. You know, I, I think there are just a ton of variables. You can see some very clear talent there, Dan Levine, that, that makes uh, the the prospect of a 15 million pound player uh, like Barkley um, very interesting. But it's it's going to be intriguing how Conte drills him in.
3: Yeah, yeah. he is is a bargain. 15 million pounds. What do you get for 15 million quid these days? I mean, you can't even buy a house in Chelsea for that. Um, But he's a player who is um, versatile. He can play in central midfield. He can play in attacking midfield. He's looked good in both for Everton. He's only 24. Okay, he's a long, long way short of being the uh, the full-finished product. But if you think about those players that we've got in the squad now who – can play in those sorts of roles. We've got Fabregas, who's 30, William, who's 29, Pedro, who I think is 30 as well. And like I say, Buckley's 24. Um, He's been signed for 15 million. He's been put on a five and a half year contract. The second that contract is signed, he's not worth 15 million. He's worth about 50, 60, 70 million pounds. So as a business decision, it's a great, great business decision. Um, as a footballing decision is clearly looking at something that's going to grow and it's going to change in shape and someone who's going to be there from the medium term. So I think it's a good bit of business. And I think it's a good footballing move.
0: Dan Dormer, I mean, is I guess where do you stand on the, uh, the Ross Barkley situation? And we can kind of get into a little bit later of like kind of the weirdness of him getting seems like such a good deal. I mean, to the point where the, the mayor of Liverpool has injected himself into this controversy. Uh,
1: I, I will say, quite wonderful that we've been able to rile up the Everton supporters, the mayor of Liverpool, <laughs> uh, all because this transfer that was supposed to go through at the beginning of the season went forward in time and Ross Barkley somehow saved Chelsea about 20 million pounds, which is, uh, is quite wonderful. Typically, that's, that's not how the, uh, the club tends to operate, but it has worked out quite nicely. So, I think it ends up being a good move. I think we're some of the frustration may may come from is that you have know, Loftus Cheek, who's you know playing for Crystal Palace right now, who's getting regular minutes. I think you see some of the longer term talent, like a Mason Mount, who's you know playing really really well for Vitesse. And the challenge is, is how do you see Barkley and the Mem also getting the the opportunities? And I think it's where the the confluence of ideas tends to struggle. But I think it really connects with the larger approach that maybe the club has kind of undertaken where they, they will go out and acquire a, a star talent and and pay a larger amount for like a, a Murata, for instance. But if they can buy three or four players in the 20, 30 range and one of them becomes a star and super successful, then they've made a, a larger return on investment and they've been able to to maximize potentially. And I think that may be frustrating or might be... You know, just kind of a, a change in policy or ideology. And, you know, you know Dan Levine, I, I think maybe is that what we're seeing now? Or is that how you feel that maybe the club is, is looking at the, the transfer market, you know, just with even kind of thinking about the, the 15 million pound kind of positive turnover the club had. But that was really maybe due more to player sales than actual commercial revenue.
3: Yeah, the, the, the great irony of, of uh, Financial Fair Play is that it was set up to try and combat clubs like Chelsea just buying things, and there appears to be only one team in Europe at the moment that is adhering to FFP, and it is Chelsea, um, because Chelsea are working very, very much within their their means. They, they believe now in keeping down the wage bill as much as they can, keeping down the uh, transfer expenses, and using sort of money that's saved to reinvest. Uh, and that's why, as you say, that they're looking to grow from within. They're also looking to pick up bargain players. And and the other thing you got to remember at the moment, and this is why a few of these targets, if you look at the recent ones, Drinkwater and Barclay, have been English. We don't quite know what's going to happen with employment law in the UK. We might find out after Brexit that it's an awful lot more difficult to sign foreign players. So they're playing a bit of a long game here, Chelsea. Um, And it's, you know, it's a clever one, actually. Remember, Chelsea are second in the league. So it it is working, um, but uh, you know it's, it, it may disappoint some of the people who expect Chelsea to be buying 100 million pound players that they know very very well. But that's that's not the game that Chelsea are in anymore. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Obviously,
0: um, it's still a bit of a transition time of the club um we have to see more of the transfer strategy i think the biggest thing is it's kind of fluctuated over the last three summers that we bought big one summer then we didn't and then we kind of did but not really last summer and and so People are, are, I don't know, maybe just confused, especially like the hard part is when you see direct rivals like City and United going out and just absolutely splashing the cash. Uh, you know, PSG funding Barcelona's, you know, transfer dealings for the next two years, obviously, with their purchase of Neymar. It's just, uh, you know, we're not in that situation. And the only way Chelsea would be totally flushed with free spending cash is if you sell Hazard and Thibaut Courtois. And I don't think any of us want, at least not if you're in your right mind personally. So um, yeah, we'll kind of have to see how it goes. Uh, You know, trusting the process is always hard as a fan because we're on the outside. Right. So um, we're going to just have to be patient, which is nothing like what we want to do. So well,
2: look, and if we're talking about transfers, Ross Barkley doesn't fix our two major needs at all right now, uh, which are left wing back and striker and whatever order you deem those to be in. So uh, you know, it, it's a little, you know, it's, I think it's a little confusing that he was the first one signed, but maybe that was just out of pure convenience because they knew in August that it was just going to happen in January. You know, I, the, the club have become more of a, a a need than want kind of transfer policy, Dan Levine, it seems like, okay, we need a striker. So we're going to go get Murata because Diego Costa is not going to be here. So it's very like, like for like uh, buying and selling but they need another striker and they need another left wing back and i'm in you know it's it's really going to be hard in january to find both of those that fit kind of all your qualifications if you're the club
3: yes and both of those are clearly on the list and and you're right in saying it will be difficult because you know finding a striker who's not champions league cup type for example who is of the quality that we need is going to be difficult um, but you know but bar- clearly happened because it was set up some time ago. There's no question about that. And that's why it was ready to go immediately. The, the game has changed, and I keep on saying this, but, but Chelsea a few years ago started off as a club that was the first super rich club because Abramovich came in and he had his billions. Abramovich is a very, very rich man. The Premier League is now at the top end, owned by clubs, uh, is, is populated by clubs who are owned by very, very rich countries not just rich men, rich countries. And Chelsea can't compete at all. So they are playing a game that is, you know, more austere. You know, they're they're being very, very careful with their money. And and we're going to see this for quite some time. I'll just say one other thing that was picked up on before about Hazard um, and how he might be um, potentially, although we don't want it, the answer to our financial woes. At the moment, Eden Hazard is on 18 months' worth of contract. Coutinho was signed... By Barcelona today, yesterday, whatever, for 150 million on four and a half years' worth of contract. Hazard at the moment, if we sold him together to tomorrow, would only be worth about 50 million, I'm afraid seriously you think that seriously because the value of the contract is what d- defines the value of the deal and there's only 18 months left this is why Chelsea are so desperate to get Hazard to sign a new deal if you've only got 18 months worth of contract left then you are you are right for the picking because people know as we've just done with Barkley at Everton in six months a year's time a yeah. year and a half's time you'll get for nothing
0: dang that's nuts to think about I mean it makes sense when you look at these other contracts and things but that's a punch in the gut right there All right. Well, um, yeah, I think that Barkley could also solve potentially the Bakayoko not scoring problem that we have as well. So uh, we'll see. Let's let him get fit. I mean, look, Drinkwater surprised at least myself and I think a few others out there. Uh, He was considered a shrewd signing, but he's... Overperformed in my book. So hopefully Barkley can do the same thing. You know, he's in a team with better players, uh, hopefully better staff, and uh, a better system around him. So um, we'll see how it goes. Interesting uh, kind of question here, Dan, from Instagram, uh, from Neil Fisher. What, what's going on here?
1: So I was asking if we would rather watch the match again or a Nicolas Cage movie. And yeah, there, there <laughs> have been some... Some terrible movies in the Nicolas Cage lexicon: uh, the the Ghost Rider movie,
2: uh, the Wicker Man remake. Wait, wait! And, you didn't like Ghost Rider because <laughs> I thought nah, it was no. I thought it was brilliant. Uh,
1: the bees, the bees. Um, uh.
2: <laughs>
1: but I, I will say uh. that I immediately thought of Face Off, which is one really good Nicolas Face Cage is movie. Face
2: Off is a classic. Come on. And it then is... uh,
1: so, someone else did follow up with Gone at sixty seconds, which I think is is, is serviceable yeah. as a popcorn Decent. flick. Sure. Yeah. So. Uh, could you guys think of any other Nicolas Cage movies? We'd, I probably would generally accept a Nicolas Cage movie, at least for the humor <laughs> level, over I, this match again in 90 minutes.
2: Look, when I was in high school, National Treasure was just a oh, delight yeah. of a movie. Um, I would watch that. Uh, I know my friend Joe will make fun of me for, for liking that movie, but you know what? It's fine. You know, cra- crazy Nicolas Cage face, fair enough you know probably probably more entertaining than like the slow-mo pan shots that fox did yesterday on antonio conte after we missed opportunity after opportunity so
3: can, can i can i just say i've watched a lot of checker trade trophy football derided as it is in the last couple of seasons and it's all been pretty grim but none of it has been as bad as Conair air was
0: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> well there we go i feel like that's the answer to this question Um, Hey, Dan Levine, when do we think this match is going to be
3: replayed? Uh, The match is going to be replayed a week on Tuesday, subject to TV involvement. And frankly, nobody watching on TV wants to see another 90 minutes of that.
0: Yeah, I think Chelsea are going to get bumped from all future FA Cup TV fixtures. Yeah, yikes. Yikes. Um, all cool. right. Well, another one for you, uh, Mr. Dan Levine, is uh, on ticket prices. So Chad from the Twin City Blues uh, brought this to our attention right before we pressed record and says that there's been a lot of talk on Chelsea Twitter uh, about this.
3: Yeah. Hi, Chad. Um, looking forward to meeting up with you when you come over next um, in the next couple of months. Um, the uh, the ticket prices has been a talking issue, but the, the, uh, it's £30, by the way, at Stamford Bridge for the replay, um, which may seem a lot of money. People paid £15 at Carrow Row for the first game. The issue is, though, um, the, the, the ticket prices for FA Cup games are decided at the beginning of the season, and it is £30 across the board. Um, that doesn't matter whether you're paying Norwich in a replay or whether you're playing Manchester United. The other thing we should say on the FA Cup is that gate receipts I'll split 50-50 uniquely between the two clubs. This doesn't happen in the Premier League. So Norwich City and the lower league will actually pick up a decent payday from 40,000 people watching them at £30 a head. So although it's, we're going to have to dig deep for it, um, I'm afraid that's the rules. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, and
0: that's what you do here, right? Like when League One or even League Two teams get to play a Premier League match, like who played Arsenal a few years ago? um
2: Bradford right wasn't it Bradford City or
3: Bradford beat us in the FA Cup of no, course no the oh. Pie
2: Gate. oh who was that
3: was that Crawley Town well either way right
0: like just that one fixture paid like their entire clubs like wages and salaries for a season like that's the that's how big of like a boost it can be for some of these teams but i mean norch i I've been watching the Premier League. I mean, they're a Premier League team, you know, not that long ago. And so um, it'll be it'll be obviously interesting to see. But, you know, the, I think – do you think that part of these, like, ticket structure and things are why people maybe are less excited about the FA Cup now than what they used to be? Or does that even affect the fans?
3: Yeah, could I just pick that up? Yes, I think that's a little bit of a part of it. People – the FA Cup has been – very very devalued unfortunately um i think for for supporters of a certain age it's still got that glory because we remember the days when you know we, we literally dreamed that chelsea might win an fa cup and chelsea didn't win anything from sort of 1970 until 1997 apart from you know the, the if you're you've got a spotters badge the full members couple the zenith data systems cup um <laughs> and so you know, this was something that people lived for in 97 when we won our first FA Cup for a generation I, it was the, honestly at the time the greatest day of my life um and I never thought we'd win anything else unfortunately the, the sheen has gone from it a little since um and so that's why people feel a little bit aggrieved about paying that sort of money but it, it's a great competition you know if we if we do get to the final uh, you know hopefully we do you know it'll be a great day out of Wembley
0: all right. Well, Dan Dormer, let's go ahead and roll this one all the way up with our man of the match poll. But this should be a pretty straightforward, quick in, quick out.
1: Yeah, not, not a whole lot to, to reward. And uh, we've got four options, uh, away supporters, Rudiger, Willian, and Zappacosta. And uh, no surprise, away supporters, 70% ran away with it given their quite vocal stance throughout the entirety of the match. And uh, we could hear you all um quite well throughout the entirety of the television broadcast well played as always
0: uh made it sound like a home match from us around the world so uh fair play to you as always awesome group that goes so with that being said um our quick message we essentially want to say is to remind you that uh let's see dan dormer if someone maybe wants a new ross barkley number eight kit where should they be going
1: yeah, they would head over to WorldSoccerShop.com and like we talked about earlier in this show, we do have the 10% off store-wide coupon valid January 5th through March 31st of 2018. Just use LondonPod, one word, and get 10% off that number eight. Awesome. Easy enough. Uh, but now, for social media questions,
0: I feel like this topic is going to dominate a lot uh. of this, obviously. But um, who titled this ClownGate? Is that the is that the media? Is that Twitter? Is that just you, Dan?
1: That's the name I've been seeing, so I I, I just I just rolled with it.
2: All right. Well, the people the people have spoken, and it's Clowngate. All right. That's apparently, well, Dormer, my man, like lead us into this one.
1: Well, a uh, uh, former Chelsea uh, legendary manager, current legendary Chelsea manager, uh, have gone head to head, blow to blow, verbal barb for verbal barb. Over the uh, the past, little bit here, it definitely goes back further than uh, than this January. But uh, Mourinho did drop the line saying that he didn't need to behave like a clown to show that he was passionate during the games. Uh, really, kind of targeted at you know the Conte, Klopp individuals. Uh, but then, you know, when asked about it, you know Conte comes back saying that uh, you know maybe some people have dementia. Uh, to which point. <sighs> Radio comes back with uh, the max match fixing, and that he's never going to be caught up in that type of scandal. And then Colton comes back, and you know, kind of talks about how you know, maybe that uh, if you have to do something like deride other people, that you might be a little man. Um, it's 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 been Not quite quite the whirlwind the of yeah. back and forth. And you know, Dan and Louise as you've kind yeah. of been covering this, how has it been from the media perspective of? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely it's great, great, great for, for selling a, a couple of headlines. But the the media narrative is must must have been very interesting.
3: Yeah, it's, it's extraordinary. Really, we've had these spats before. If you think about sort of uh, Mourinho and Wenger, and, and then going back even further to Ferguson and Keegan. Uh, this this is quite explosive, um, and a part of me thought, you know, surely, hang on, we've got a dead title race. Is somebody trying to sell TV rights here? You know, does do someone want to get something interesting going on in the Premier League? Is this why are we going to be ask, asking for these guys to strip to the waist and do some white collar boxing for for you know for nine ninety nine on pay per view? Is this uh, going to be uh, is this what it's all about? Is, is it cynical? But no, they really don't like each other, um, and watching Conte talk about this in his post-match press conference at norwich he was very very calm he was very very measured but he was very very certain that he didn't like the man he was talking about Um, and this has got very very personal the stuff about match fixing by the way um conte was not banned for match fixing he was banned for failing to report an allegation of it and by the way also he was cleared on appeal um, and he was very, very keen to point that out as well. That this is not true, and this is why he reverted. He stopped using the thing about senile dementia, you know, which is, you know, maybe a little bit disrespectful to to people who suffer that, um, because you know it's, it's a, a proper, obviously a mental health issue. Um, and he's now talking about amnesia instead in in Mourinho. Uh-huh. But he's also bringing other people into this. He's making this about more than just um, himself, because he mentioned Ranieri, Mm -hmm. which was interesting. Ranieri is a very, very good friend of Conte's. They are very, very close indeed. And he was scathing of Mourinho saying that Ranieri couldn't speak English. And then when Ranieri got the sack from Leicester, wearing his name on the back of his shirt and saying it was a great disgrace, he literally, during that press conference at Carrow Road, pointed towards Mourinho and said, this man is fake and the gloves are off you know this is gonna get a lot worse before it gets better I think
2: well I I look at this and it's unfortunate for a lot of reasons I I think you know one you have two guys who always have to get the last word I think that's pretty clear Um, so one of them is gonna lose in this or it'll just keep going on forever which uh, you know I've already had enough of it so I hope it doesn't um Two, you know, you put your current girlfriend and your ex girlfriend in the same room and see what happens. Like that's that's never gonna work. Um, and and three, it, I don't know. Like, I, I think part of the reason that Mourinho became such a fan favorite is that he was always kind of the the lead. Uh, you know, spear for the club. Like, he would always go first and, and you know, put himself in, in the way of any sort of unwanted attention and, and things like that. And I think what we might have failed to realize at the time is that it was, you know, a little bit more theatrical um, than, than reasonable. Um, and if you look at some of these comments, especially... Um, around the match fixing, you know, allegation and everything that surrounded that, including the, the lack of reporting that was aimed to cut him. That was aimed to cut Conte. And I think that whereas Mourinho in 20 or 2007, six, would have been, would have had a wry smile on his face and been really kind of joking and really, you know, playing more of a, a cat and mouse game. He's just, I don't think he's the same anymore. I, th- I think, unfortunately, you know, that kind of um, fun that he used to have is gone. Um, and so now it's just, it's not coming from a good place. And clearly, Antonio Conte doesn't take kindly to this and is now putting himself in between Mourinho and, and the club that he manages. And, you know, that's not a, a super look either. You know, to be honest, there's still a lot of Chelsea fans, whether you think they're right or wrong, who love Jose Mourinho because of all the stuff that he did for the club. And, you know, it's just, you know, Brandon, I don't know what you think about this, but it's just, it's not a good look all the way around.
0: No, you know, not particularly. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, if it were about performances or results or, you know, whatever I can understand, but the fact that it is gone personal, uh, it's very attacking uh in that sense and essentially each one is trying to discredit the other more and more um i i don't it's not my favorite thing i thought it was i was pretty fired up about it friday uh if you guys were watching us on twitter i was getting i was getting pretty excited about it talking with a lot of people about it loyal usu fan uh, So you know some others and uh i just i I think we've had a weekend of it and I hope it goes away, but unfortunately we have midweek matches coming up and there's not a lot of time to let this die down. So, uh, we'll have to see. Cause I, you know, understandably so journalists are going to keep asking until they don't get anything back. And at this rate, um, uh, they're getting a lot of content to, to pull, to, you know, pull quotes out of and stories out of. So, um, it, it's kind of in the hands of the clubs and maybe the communications directors put a, put a stop to it, but I'm not sure how long it's going to go. Hopefully we can get some wins to kind of draw us out of it, though, is is what I hope. So uh, thanks to at filmy747xwaldo uh, and just Luke Earwood for, uh, you know, asking us questions about that. Um, for the next one, we've got from at Huey98758 saying, how important are Hazard and Conte? If you take them out, we look so average. And why, why, why not start with at least one of the youngsters that was on the bench? Uh, Dan Dormer, to you. Um, obviously Conte and Hazard are are what best player and most important player regard you know in in each one
1: yeah absolute gems and I think the point that uh, you know, Dan Levine was making earlier about you know the the value of Hazard and what a club could get him for and you know at, at Real Madrid he is a a wonderful part of a team at Chelsea he is the driving force he is the magician, the, the Belgian, Belgian wizard, whatever nickname you want to ascribe to him. And Angolo Kante is you know two men for the price of one on the pitch. and when we go up against sides and we're missing one or two of them, it, it can be very difficult. and we saw that much much earlier in the season. And I think the goal now is to continue to find ways to, to keep them happy, to keep them, you know, or at least Hazard, uh, keep him happy and for the long term and to keep uh, healthy both of them because it, it's a very frightening proposition to think about when they're not on the pitch together uh, a la this match. And, yeah, it would have been nice to have seen uh, a little bit more youthful exuberance, uh, you know, if in, in that midfield you would put uh, you know, Ampadu out there uh, you know I'm sure one Norwich player would have uh, left the game on, on, on a stretcher given his reputation uh, and I, I feel like there was some brave soul who was trying to go at him when he was uh, kind of warming up uh, Dan I don't know <laughs> if you saw the, the I think uh, was it Gary Hayes who maybe had kind of commented that he spotted that happening on the near the touchline
3: yeah I was sat next to Gary actually uh, yesterday uh, and you know what sort of a I'll I'll, I'll raise in my language. But what sort of an idiot thinks okay there's a 17-year-old boy warming up and he's a professional footballer so I'm going to go and abuse him and try and start a fight with him because I'm a I'm a guy who's had a few beers and gone to the football. Just just grow up, really. Well,
2: we, and and not only that there was the Rudiger um interaction late in the match too where the ball kind of went over the the barrier. Rudiger goes to get it, the fan goes out of his way to to uh um, to grab the ball and throw it back away from Rudiger and then pushes him and I was like, oh, what are you doing like that? Rudiger is a skilled athlete. I'm you know I'm glad he's trained not to react to that stuff, Brandon. But holy hell, I don't know how much you're trained. I mean, you don't like set that up and and cob him and like go
0: through it. It's just more <laughs> of like you have to like just have a perspective. Um, it's, let me, it's let ridiculous. me let me put it this
2: way. Maybe not train a boxer, but i'm sure the other guy isn't a professional footballer Uh, Oh,
0: for sure i mean um thankfully rudiger kept his head was probably more astonished than anything um but you know we we saw patrice evra kick a fan um earlier this season in france and uh that was interesting to say the least but thankfully we got away we got out of this one with only a replay apparently um The next one we have is from actually at Sky Sports underscore Keith announcing that Jake Clark Salter uh, will finalize a loan deal with Sunderland. Um, He's 20 years old and this will be the newly appointed manager Chris Coleman's first signing for the Black Cats. Um, Dan Levine, what do you I guess does this what do you make of this loan for Jake Clark Salter?
3: I think it's great news. Um, if he gets regular football, of course, it's uh, is the, that, that's the caveat. He has to play. Um, otherwise, it's a pointless move. But um, uh, you would imagine uh, Chris Coleman uh, has got fairly decent links with Chelsea. He was manager at Fulham long enough. Uh, and you know, the two live in each other's back gardens. Um, if he can go up there, he can get regular football. He can improve his game, get a bit of experience. It may well be the best thing uh, for his career.
0: I mean, Sunderland are struggling really badly. Um, so you would assume that he'd have a good chance to go in and win a spot. Uh, but Nick, uh, we've only heard great things about uh, Clark Salter and his potential. So again, um, hopefully this loan move uh, in the championship at a struggling side will open up a lot of opportunities for him.
2: Yeah, it's intriguing there. I think we talked to Joe Tweeds at the beginning of the year and Joe, uh, made it sound like maybe germany or france might be the way for for salter if i remember correctly and maybe i'm not but germany or france might be the way for salter to kind of get the the christians in uh experience uh, that we are also thankful for right now um so you know it'd be intriguing because you know like you said sunderland are pretty abject um they need a, a really strong second half of the year to stay in the championship uh and that's that's pretty bleak so uh, it, it'll, be, uh, it'll be intriguing to see if he, he actually gets it. Uh, if not, you could maybe see a, a loan uh, to Germany or France next year as, as a way to get the, the kind of experience that I think uh, our center backs need.
0: All right. Well, Dan Dormer, um, what about the possibility of us actually having the entire Hazard family under one club?
1: Yeah, it was uh something that would have been easier to do back when, when Thorgan Hazard was uh, you know under contract with Chelsea and just on loan to Mönchengladbach, but uh, the the blid uh, rumors um being that uh, Chelsea may go back in for for Thorgan, who's actually played uh, you know very well for the club both in in scoring and assisting, so as a an out wide player, he he's done very well for them. So it'd be interesting to see and You know, I think, you know, Killian Hazard was brought in uh, earlier in the season, and it seems like it it may be something as a way of, you know, finding ways to kind of keep Hazard rooted. Dan Levine, is that your kind of read on that situation, too? Is is it more about having the player to keep Eden happy, or is it about actually seeing, you know, an opportunity for Hazard uh, Thorgan to be a Chelsea player?
3: Yeah, it was always part of the deal when, when Chelsea signed it, Eden Hazard in twenty twelve. You know, there, there were a few things that turned his head. One was the money. Of course, he publicly said it was because Chelsea were Champions League winners, but also it was the family thing. You know, they're a very very close knit family. Um, I saw Killian play for the um, the development side, um, uh, MK Dons and the Czech Trade Trophy. I did. I did warn you. I'd watched a lot of that football recently. Um, uh-huh. He's not, you know, to the same standard. N- neither is. And, and, and there's another young lad as well who's, who's still in the production line um, it's all about Ed you know, he's, he, he's he's the one world class talent in that family uh, and frankly anything to keep him happy will do
0: alright well let's go ahead and um, wrap this one up with a quick look ahead to Arsenal but real quick Nick uh, you know just again uh, a nice little friendly ask uh, to follow XL Tours um, and, and World Soccer Shop on social media obviously
2: correct yeah so you know that we're going over to uh to london at the end of march we're gonna watch the spurs match um and uh very excited about that uh probably see dan levine again hopefully uh make make that happen uh yeah yeah so beers again uh so if you're interested in this uh definitely follow us uh follow xl tours follow world soccer shop it's kind of uh an entire package deal that we're putting together and uh we think it's going to be quite the experience dan dormer
1: Yeah, I think it would be amazing. So you can follow them uh, at World Soccer Shop uh, for the most part. uh, I think on Twitter they do have to drop the O. And then uh, at XL Sports Tours on uh, social platforms.
0: All right. Well, just briefly, uh, we will be playing Arsenal again already. It's the League Cup semifinals. It will be at Stanford Bridge this coming Wednesday, January 10th. Again, a quick turnaround. Uh, it's weird having to play them again so soon, um, you know, but with the lack of ability in the Chelsea second string lineup, um, Nick, do you think that Conte uh, feels that he has to put out his strongest lineup for this one or continue his, I, what I would say, heavy rotations?
2: Uh, Heavy rotation for me. I, I don't know how seriously, you know, in, in, in order of priority, this should be the, the least uh, – the least priority for for Chelsea moving forward um, between this and the FA Cup, so I'm not sure how how strongly Conte feels about this. I would imagine that you'd see some familiar faces come back in and maybe some swap. Uh, you know, maybe David Luiz gets another chance to shake off the rust, or you know, Musonda might get another you know chance if he's fit to to make sure that you know he's getting game minutes, or you know, maybe Dujon Sterling or or one of these other guys, but. You know, I, I, don't, I don't see a, a super strong lineup, Dan Levine, do you?
3: No, well, not especially because I think Arsene Wenger will rotate as well. He'll have to. Um, and that will be the case in both of the games. But, but as I said about the game against Norwich City, the job here is to win the game, or the tie in this case, no matter how ugly, just to score one more goal than Arsenal. Just to do that, everyone will be happy.
0: All right, Dan Dormer, uh, what's your take on this one? Let's go ahead and uh, put the bow on it.
1: Well, I think they should follow suit of uh, the Chelsea ladies who won against Arsenal 3-2 today and yes. uh, try to make it a, a winning moment versus versus a draw. And so a uh, good, uh, good form of inspiration there. Good credit to Emma Hayes and the ladies too who are, are playing uh, full-on football right now and doing phenomenal work. So good, good maybe inspiration to, to the first team there.
0: All right. Well, again, uh, get your midweek appointment scheduled if you need to uh, make arrangements. It's you know a midweek match, so you get, you gotta you gotta go above and beyond for those. And it is against Arsenal, which are a rival, even if it is the League Cup. Uh, you know, but your semifinals. You're knocking on the door. Of you know a cup final, which is a big deal nonetheless. Even if it is a league cup, Mourinho counts it. Uh, he also counts the Community Shield, so take it for what what you want. But with that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Um, as always, Dan Levine, welcome back. Uh, we're at least we've gotten to see you twice. You know in the last six eight months. To fill the void
3: yeah it's been fantastic and i'm looking forward to when you're coming over in a couple of months time it'd be great to meet you up again
0: i know it only took us three years so <laughs> Nick, what's uh what's your final thought man
2: final thoughts to this one uh thank god it's over uh That's you know fair. hopefully yeah hopefully we just uh kind of put this one uh in the do not disturb pile and and move on to bigger and bigger bigger and better things awesome
1: over to you dan dormer uh, I don't know if anyone else saw. It was a couple days ago, but there was the video of the, uh, the Chelsea supporter sitting in the Arsenal away end and which, uh, had recorded it and posted oh, it out. <laughs> what, what a brave, brave, wonderful soul. And uh, that, that in the midst of a draw and then this uh, two draws and some pretty terrible football uh, was, was a nice thing to put a smile on my face. So I'm pretty sure we retweeted that out, but just search uh, Chelsea supporter supporting at Emirates and uh, it'll, it'll pop up
0: alright well um, Dan Levine I'm assuming you'll be at this match midweek
3: absolutely yeah Uh, looking forward to it and uh, you know, just remember it's only the first of two legs um, but we do want to take uh, a winning result into the second leg
0: yeah especially because we're at home so alright
3: with that being said Chelsea fans that is a wrap thank you as
0: always for listening we really do appreciate it Uh, but until next time you know what to do keep the blue
2: flag flying high if you don't want the conversation to stop Make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast presented by worldsoccershop.com.